Hey friends, welcome to the Anton Zachwar podcast. Our guest today is my good friend, Ian Morris. And today's podcast was an incredibly special one for me. Um, as I mentioned, Ian has become a, a really good friend over the last month or so. And it's just wild. It's one of those people that um, your friendship defies like the laws of physics in some sense. It's like you shouldn't be as close as you are in such a short period of time, but somehow you are and somehow you trust each other. And yeah, you just, it was just one of those relationships where we just immediately upon meeting each other, we just felt so at home and, you know, we've just been helping and supporting each other ever since we met. And like I said, this is a, this was a fascinating podcast. So in the podcast, we dived into Ian's incredible story of healing from cancer using sound therapy and his journey of losing over 100 pounds. We also dove into how we both have been on a journey of shedding our old beliefs and entering a new phase of life and, you know, kind of like the hero's journey. We also talk about and discuss the idea of alpha males and how as a culture, I think we are transcending this idea of, you know, masculinity or femininity is the best way to be and just trying to get to a place in, in ourselves, um, how to balance who we are. You know, Ian and I both discussed how we're both very balanced individuals. We're both very, you know, sensitive or emotional, but at the same time, we're both very driven, ambitious, disciplined. And so sometimes it can be difficult to, to make our way through the world, especially in youth, when we don't tend to fit into society's ideals of what we should be. And yeah, so as I mentioned, it's, it's a deep one and I hope you enjoy it. Before we begin, I want to take a moment to thank our first sponsor of the show, Listening to Smile, and its founder and personal friend of mine, Ian Morris. Listening to Smile is one of the companies leading the movement to bring frequency-minded music to the mainstream. And for anyone who doesn't know, frequency-minded music is music that is infused with binaural beats and frequencies that enhance and speed up our body's natural healing mechanisms. And Ian's music is actively healing the world and is currently inspiring open-minded leaders in Silicon Valley to include his music in their products and to help them create a workplace culture that is focused on mental health and well-being. And I personally use Listening to Smile's products every single day to support me with stress relief and is my music of choice for my daily meditation practice. And Listening to Smile has two main programs. The first is their personal wellness program, and this is for personal use, and this consists of healing albums for stress relief, pain relief, and anxiety relief. And the second program is their affiliate program. This is what I'm currently part of, and this is for commercial use, and this is the exciting one. So what you get with this is two free starter albums and one brand new album every single month. You also get access to monthly live coaching events with founder Ian Morris and commission earnings on album sales, a 50% discount on all music purchases and licensing rights to use and resell LTS music for commercial use. So... If you're interested in transforming your life and entering the expanding frontier of frequency-minded music, be sure to go to www.listeningtosmile.com and experience it for yourself. 
And at checkout, make sure to use code Anton to get 40% off all albums and $100 off of their affiliate program. So enjoy, everyone. I also want to take a moment to thank our second sponsor of the show, Vidara, and their My Indigo Sun magazine. The mission of My Indigo Sun is to help you live a healthy and inspired life and is dedicated to bringing you the latest and greatest information related to the realms of the body, mind, and spirit. And I actually met the founder, Katarina, um, at an event earlier this year. And within five minutes, it was very clear that we were aligned and that we were going to be doing a partnership. And like myself and many of you, the people of Vidara are dreamers who see that the beautiful world we see ahead of us starts with us. So in addition to being their in-house podcaster, I'm also part of the working group helping my Indigo son to transition into a world-class publication. So if you are interested in transforming your life and taking part in an evolving spiritual community, be sure to go to www.myindigosun.com and check out the magazine for free. And now onto our podcast with Ian Morris. Hey friends, welcome to the Anton Zachor podcast. Our guest today is my good friend Ian Morris or becoming my good friend, Ian Morris. And for anyone who doesn't know who Ian is, um, he does a lot of things. He's a cool guy, but he's a sound engineer, a sound healer, a musician and multi-instrumentalist. And we're literally talking 27 instruments here. He's a visual artist, he's a poet, and he's the founder and CEO of the music company Listening to Smile. And above all, what I love about you, Ian, is I've been practicing, I've been thinking about this all day. What, what do I love most about Ian? And I came to the realization that there's nothing I love most about you. I just love you. And I know we talked about this when we literally first met. We had like an hour conversation and we were finishing and we went into this like super kind of bro vulnerable thing where we were literally like telling each other like, hey, man, I, I really like that you exist. Like it was this like weird kind of thing. And so I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I just love Ian. But I was thinking, I think a better way of putting this is what do I admire about you? And I think what I admire most about you is um, your heart, your authenticity and just how. Every time I talk to you, and I don't know if this is you with anybody else, but with me, every time I talk to you, I feel very seen. I feel very yeah. valued. I feel very respected. And I think what's something that you do, and I don't know if you do this consciously, is when you talk to people, it's like you look at like the, the best version of them. You look at their potential. And as you speak to them, you almost like hold them in the, the reverence of who they could be. And I remember when you met me, you know, you gave me some really beautiful touching like compliments and more than just compliments, but you like you, it's like you looked in my soul and you're like, this is what I value about you. And this is what I see in you. And I just, uh, I feel like that is so rare. Um, especially yeah. as I've done a lot of these podcasts, you're talking to a lot of people, talking to a lot of people who are doing some big things in the world. And what I notice is it's very rare to find somebody who's as ambitious as you, who's as driven as you, who's as passionate and powerful as you are, but also who like behind everything has that grounding heart and grounding presence. And I just, yeah, I, I absolutely admire that about you. So Ian, welcome to the show. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, man, you're going to make me cry right off the beginning here, just uh, pulling out the Oprah style on me. But no, it's amazing, dude. I appreciate you uh, for sure. And I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Love you, dude. Um, yeah. But we're going to start off with a super difficult question. So are you ready? I'm ready, man. <laughs> All right. So if you could choose one or two animals to represent you in this lifetime, what would you choose and why? Oh, man. So, yeah. So I'm a Leo and I think I've always as a young kid just always kind of you know aligned with that lion energy and at times in my life you know but i think what's really funny is if you ask well what's the second animal i would say a sugar glider (laughs) what what is that yeah yes i think they're just these little animals and they're like almost the only way i could describe it is like a flying squirrel you know they just kind of they're they are just like these cool little creatures i think mostly in australia and uh they just have these tails and they're just crazy looking uh but they're super cool they can just like glide and jump and just fly from thing to thing and i think that i've always kind of felt like uh my life has been this continuous nomadic exploration of energetic situations you know and um it's just i kind of have related to that energy uh here later in life that sugar glider energy i just think they're really fascinating animals so yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's, it's almost just like riding the vibe like riding life riding the universe riding the momentum of everything and as a side note when you were saying that I, i started chuckling into myself because i was thinking of like what is it? A sugar glider? Yeah, sugar glider. I'm like, I'm picturing a sugar glider with like just your face on the front. <laughs> like he's just gliding through the air like with this smirk and smile on your face. But that's actually that's actually a, a beautiful answer. I, I, I thought you were going to go with the lion. I was like, I was walking on my, my morning walk this morning. I was like, is he going to take the easy road? For like the answer, is he just gonna go with like the zodiac side? Because I'm like, I know he's a Leo, and I know as men, as males, like we have this like alpha complex. We're like, yeah, I'm a lion. Like when people ask me this question, I go, yeah, I, I'm a lion, and I'm an owl. Those are my two actually. I'm like lion for courage, and almost like I, what I love in. What I love about the idea of the lion, less maybe the actual lion, but the idea and symbology of it is I love just this like this, this independent king, like, and and not king, like protect, like I see it as like a protector, like very much, you know, taking care of everything. Like a tiger, when I think of a tiger, I don't think of a pack animal that takes care of things. I think of a lone wolf kind of thing. And when I think right. of the lion, I think of the, the courageous protector, you know, the proud, but not in a vain way, but as in like, I'm here, you know, this is who I am. I'm not ashamed of this and you don't have to like it, but I'm here. And I, right. you know, I love that element of the lion. And then the owl for me is like, I've always been attracted to wisdom. I've always been attracted to the like the lion i see is proud and courageous and you know here the owl is like the almost the i almost see it as like the same archetype as like the gandalf or the dumbledore it's like the one who doesn't need to be seen but but like behind the scenes can see the whole playbook can see the the 4d chessboard 
And I'm like, so interesting that it's like for you, it's lion and, and sugar squirrel, flying squirrel, just, you know, flying through life. And for me, it's, yeah, it's like, I, you know, maybe in some sense I see it too as like the first half of my life is like cultivating the lion. It's like I'm seeing it as I'm figuring out who I am. I'm seeing where I'm courageous. I'm seeing how I can be courageous. And then I feel like I'm, I'm going to really be stepping into the owl in the second half of my life. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I've always been drawn to that. Yeah. The archetype of like the wise, the wise mentor, the Gandalf, the Dumbledore, you know? Yeah. So what is your ascending sign again? I know we talked about this before. I'm Aquarius. Aquarius. That's right. So that is, that is the, uh, the loner, the unique, the intellect, you know, that's, that's what you, you are kind of, that's, that's cool. That's, that's neat. I can see that. Oh, that, yeah. well, thank you. Thank you for again, seeing the future me. <laughs> yeah. me. And yeah. Uh, now, so we're going to, we're going to move into slightly more serious territory. We had our fun, super okay. difficult question to kick <laughs> us off. Um, but yeah, now, because I know a little bit about this, but Tell us the story of how you became who you are today. What were the fundamental questions and events that drove you? Yeah. Well, I think um, my childhood, my father uh, was a musician. And so I was, I grew up around a lot of music. Um, I also grew up with a dad that I think a lot of people relate to, which is in that time period, that generation, there was a lot of, um, traumas that were inflicted on that generation and see they don't they didn't have uh bruce lipton and joe dispenza and greg braden and and uh you know all these people putting out this content that was shifting consciousness and showing people like there's something here to unravel and to work on traumas you know ptsd uh different triggers <clears throat> and um my dad was a very loving guy, but there was a lot of um, hurt and pain in him that he did not have the tools to work through and process. And so it caused a lot of friction between us. Um, and so I think like there's a lot of things, but the short answer of like how this happened was basically getting to a point where, um, you know, uh, the music was influ influential on me to get to that point. The um, having that father figure that was very extremely hard on me um, as a Leo, I think the perfectionism, you know, is already there. And then you have this person that's riding you to be whatever they, their vision is, their projection is. <clears throat> and so I think that kind of, um, was a lot of things that I had to learn how to process later in life, you know? And so I think like you mentioned my ability to see people. I think there was a lot of times in my life that I felt unseen or unheard. And mm -hmm. I think that as I got older, I started realizing how important that was to me. And I think that that's my projection to other people is to see them and to hear them in a way that I would want to be seen or heard myself and so that was a skill that was developed i think out of a necessity to self-care and to love myself was to show that to other people so um i think that the music was already in me i was playing musician you know i was, I was a musician playing a lot of different instruments and into a lot of different 
styles of music. But when I got sick, you know, that was the, the, the defining point of taking my music from an entertainment based style music to um, seeing that there was something more uh, in this from working with children, you know, in my nonprofit, which was before listening to smile, but working with a lot of underserved kids and like seeing the transformation of them never playing an instrument to starting playing an instrument and then seeing the transformation in personality um, and just even a spiritual transformation. And so that was right before I got sick. And I remember thinking there's something more to music than just entertainment and then getting sick and saying, okay, now here's my opportunity to apply these things I saw in their lives change but let's go a little bit deeper into the holistics and the science of this, you know, sound healing, binaural beats, breath work, meditation. And so I started applying it and reading books and diving down the rabbit hole and asking questions, talking to college professors, talking to friends that had experience as counselors. And, and so it was just a huge journey down the rabbit hole, you know, and, um, and ultimately within a year, I was overweight. I was about, 320 at my heaviest, 320 pounds. Um, I was uh, ultimately diagnosed with MS and colon cancer. And so there was a dark night of the soul that happened. And at the time, it felt like the worst thing, the, the, the highest threshold of pain and the worst thing that could happen. And I remember asking myself in conversations with God, how could you let this happen to me? Like, look at all these things I've done for other people. I've helped people. It was this very victim mentality because it caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for it. I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. Um, and so slowly, this practice of the holistic and the science and then diving into the spiritual side of, you know, breathwork meditation, it started opening me up. And there was a lot of grieving that started happening, listening to the frequency music, I would just bawl. I would cry. I would just cry my eyes out for six months straight, probably. There was just a massive amount of trauma that needed to be re released in my life. And that was from childhood, from, you know, just growing up dyslexic and kids making fun of me in school and just not fitting in in a lot of situations, just kind of being a nerd, a dork <laughs> kid, you know, kid and uh, not fitting in. So it was all of this that really transformed this time in my life and like getting through that, you know, I look now and I look back that there was times where I really contemplated suicide because there was so much pain in my life. I felt, well, if I do that, then I don't have to face this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, for whatever it is, maybe it's ancestral, maybe it's, uh, you know, guardian angels. Uh, maybe it's just really good friends, you know, but I couldn't tell you, I think it's a combination of all of them that had a hand in helping me stay and face the music, <laughs> so to speak, right? <laughs> so, so getting through to the other side, I look at these testimonials that are coming in and I look at emails and phone calls and text messages from people each time I put out an album or something new comes out and people experience it. Um, and I think to myself, what if I would have ended things prematurely and I would have missed out on all of this amazing stuff. And not only that, my pain and my struggle was now turned into other people's uh, awareness and enlightenment in these areas that I went deep and dark into. And they're now able to use my struggle and my misfortunes to be able to 
not have to take the same steps to, you know, uh, create a map or a template to sidestep some of the really hard stuff and to get a perspective from someone who's been there. And then, like you said, someone who can say, I know what you're experiencing. I know it's hard. And here's some things that helped me and they might help you too. Let's see. Let's take a journey together, you know? <laughs> so, Yeah, man. Wow. <clears throat> I'd heard a bit of that. I don't think I knew actually the whole story of everything. Like I, I forgot yeah. either. I didn't know, or I forgot that you had colon cancer. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I knew that you were very overweight. I knew you were dealing with some health issues. I didn't know it was, it was so serious. And when they told you that you had colon cancer, what did they say your odds of like survival with all that was? Well, so it was a later uh, stage, but they they wanted to do more testing at this point. So I'd already been, um, almost a year cause I had been going to different people and it was just always like, Oh, it's anxiety. And I'm like, it, there is anxiety, but it's, that's not, you know, it was just, and I was having all these autoimmune issues and stuff with, um, MS where I was like losing control of my muscles and I was having spasms and I was having just burning on, on my skin. I was having extreme exhaustion, just so tired from nothing. Um, there was just so much uh, stuff that was going on. So it took almost a year, year and a half to get in to see. It was different specialists and different doctors, emergency room visits. Um, and so ultimately what they were wanting to do, I just, I had already, it was almost $60,000 in debt with wow. doctor bills. Um, and so there was just an extreme uh, frustration. I remember the last time I was in the emergency room, I just walked out because they were going to do a test that was about $5,000, which they had already done before a couple months before. And I said, well, what are you going to determine now that you didn't see then? And, and I just like, I don't have the money. I, I was a musician. I didn't have insurance and I just couldn't afford to just keep going into massive amount of debts. And I remember walking out of the emergency room, uh, frustrated and angry and that was the night that I started like really reading books. I just, I got Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. And then another book by Dr. Mitchell Gaynor called The Healing Power of Sound. And I started reading them simultaneously. It took me like three or four days. I got through both books, like just reading nonstop. And, um, and then I remember it was like, that was it. I was just like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going down this rabbit hole and I'm going to figure it out for myself. And I started really approaching the holistic alternatives, um, watching documentaries, reading books, and just really deciding like, if I die, I die. Um, so I didn't receive any treatment. I didn't go down the road that they wanted me to go down. I already had an opposition to mainstream medical treatments because I feel like there are really important things like surgeries and different things that people need that that is a very crucial uh, form of treatment, but there's so much that's being pushed on us as a public that is there's more side effects than there is remedy. And then the side effects, they're giving you more pills to treat the, the, the side effects and, and the remedy keeps getting further and further away. And so I, I think the thing I liked about sound healing is that there really aren't any side effects. You know, there's <laughs> just a target and like you're working one-on-one -on -one with a person's consciousness and an interaction with the mind and body, which ultimately leads to the soul and the spirit and an uncovering of traumas and healing that takes place. And so I felt like this is 
where the hill I will die on. This is where I will stand. I will take my stand here and take my chances. And, and that's what, you know, that's how that whole thing transpired. Well, and, and when was this? Uh, when did you have, when were you diagnosed with colon cancer? Because you're 45. How old are you right now? 45. So it was around 2012, 2011, 2012 in that age right there. And then it took me about a year and a half uh, two years to like really recover. So 20, the end of like 2014, beginning of 2015, I started really getting into really massive work with creating frequency music. And then in 2016, I started listening to smile about a year later, um, you know, and just kept constantly doing research and expansion, exploration and making frequency music in that way. So here we are 2022 uh this november will be seven years that uh, you know i've been doing this work so wow so you're you're like literally you were suicidal potentially suicidal when you were 35 to about 30 mm -hmm. 37 is when you really kind of turned your life around 37 yeah. and like i'm just thinking like <clears throat> you know because i'm 26 turning 27 pretty soon and, you know, I've also went through Dark Nights of the Soul where I didn't know, <clears throat> I, I had dreams, but I, I didn't know how I was ever going to achieve them. Like for me, it was, you know, it, and, and you can probably relate to this. Like when you're like a creative type, you know, that nine to five grind can just crush your soul. Like it just, it, it, it kills you. Like, and that's what I was doing, just nine to five jobs and just, you know, working with people I didn't resonate with, you know, is surrounded by a certain frequency. And yeah, man, even like with the YouTube channel, there's been times over the last two years where I'm like, man, I got these massive dreams. Like, how am I going to get there? How? Like, I, I literally, I'm just like, it's, you know, it's this linear growth curve on YouTube. And I'm like, I, I know where I want to go. I know who I want to be friends with. I know the kind of adventures and life I want, you know, kids and a family and, and just being around people that inspire me. You know what I mean? Like I always say like, you know, Paul check, Aubrey Marcus, Kyle Kingsbury, Josh Trent, stuff like that. Luke story. And it's like, you know, you hear saying like you were 35 and thinking of like giving up your life, like just giving up, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you were 35 and, and you know, you were that deep into your life and it seemed like there was no path forward. And now I think this is actually a powerful story for a lot of young people because again, yeah. like you're not someone you weren't, you weren't Logan Paul that got famous in your twenties. Like a lot, I think a lot of people have this idea now in our, in my generation and younger that if you have, if you haven't made it in your twenties, you're screwed. It's like, yeah. you know, you have to make it, you have to become a YouTube millionaire in your twenties. And if you're any older, there's no, there's no path forward. And I think well, like, go on. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just going to say, uh, just, Real quickly, interjection, uh, Gary V. I mean, I think that's why I love him so much. He's constantly, are you familiar with Gary V? Oh, yeah, I like Gary. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, cool, cool. So, like, you know, he's constantly stressing to young people, like, man, 40, you're just getting started. You know, like, he was like, basically, you're going to go through all these reinventions of yourself. And he's like, you're young, take risks, try stuff. If you mess up, who cares? Like, you've got time. Like, you know, he's like... And, and I think it's such a great message uh, for young people, because I think like you're saying, like you look at uh, shows like the Kardashians and things like uh, Puff Daddy making the band and you see all these 
people getting these shots or opportunities when they're very young. And uh, we all have friends that have made it young, millionaires by 30, millionaires by 25, you know, and you see these things and it's like this dangling carrot for people to like strive and achieve. And the thing that people forget is that everyone's timeline's different. Like if you believe in reincarnation, for example, right? If you believe in past lifetimes and, you know, maybe this lifetime is not that for you. Maybe it's something else, you know? Mm. Maybe last lifetime you were a millionaire and this time you're experiencing the other side of that coin for whatever spiritual growth and unraveling you need that for. And I think we get really caught up on uh, looking at other people's lives and projecting, like, why don't I have that? And I think I've been just as guilty of it uh, in times in my life, too. And um, mm-hmm. But I think what's really interesting is that everybody has their position, you know? Everyone has their specialty, and everyone has their process of what they're working through and timing. And I think something for me that's come up you know, uh, Paul Check is a really good friend. I have conversations with him, you know, a few times a month. And I talk to some really connected men that are very um, open, spiritual, enlightened, uh, open-hearted, you know, sensitive dudes, you know. And we have these conversations. And one of my friends the other day said, free will is not this open-ended template of, manipulating reality like people think he was like destiny is a very real thing you are on a track you but this is not a track that was assigned to you from an exterior source this is assigned to you from your decision this life that you're on this this projection of trajectory is your creation once you settle into that the next step is settling into free will is actually how you deal with what is happening to you. The choices that you make and your attitude and your perspective, that is your free will. And I think it was like this <laughs> like you know, moment for me, mind-blowing, just mind exploded because I never had looked at things that way. I was always in victim mentality of looking at why the fuck is this shit happening to me, right? I've lived 10 lifetimes in this lifetime and I've had I mean, constantly I have friends telling me like, dude, you have been all over the country. You've done so many different things. You've reinvented yourself 10 times. And I think that um, there's this real clear vision for me setting, looking at earth in darkness in a room, looking at earth and like standing in line. Mm. These three beings come up to me and they're like, yeah, you've been doing good. There's 10 trips left. You know, you don't have that many left. And I said, I remember thinking, I can't do 10 more. Like, let's just put them all on one. Like, let's just go all in one. And like the person being like, I don't know. Are you sure? You know? And, you know, and it's like, you're here on earth and you're you're like, shit, what did I sign up myself up for? Right. (laughs) It's like the amount of things that, and like what I've been through is nothing. There's people who have been through much, much worse, you know? And I, and I realized that. And I think that it has shifted my meditation practice to be more in gratitude instead of asking or trying to receive or trying to manifest. It's more of just, I'm fucking thankful to be here where I'm at, where things are going, the people that are in my life. I'm extremely people like you, man, open hearted, loving people surrounding me and just more and more coming in every day. And it's just so much thankfulness. And I think that, 
that is how you manifest is like staying in that vibe of what you want and what you want to see and what you are thankful for so that you're attracting more of that. And I think it took me 45 years to get to this point. Maybe another person, it takes them 20 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like everyone has their position and their timeline. We have to stop looking at people around us as a gauge or a measurement system, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Brother. Well, that that, that was beautiful. I just want to say that was beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> and, and like, no, I, I can feel it coming from you. Like, again, that's what I kind of said in my intro, right? It's like, you know... I think so many people, including myself, like even four months ago, um, like people live their lives. You know, a lot of people work the nine to five job and they catch glimpses of some really cool things on YouTube or some really, you know, Aubrey Marcus or if you're into that or if you're into Logan Paul or the Kardashians and they catch these like, you know, I, I did, too. It's like you know, this is something I've been really thinking about. Um This idea of like when we observe somebody else's life, we think we understand what it's like to be them, but I don't think we do. I think it's almost like, you know, you can look at like, let's say Logan Paul partying, doing these crazy things, hanging out with multimillionaires, billionaires. And you're like, oh, wow, like it would be really cool to, to be Logan Paul. I can feel that. It's like, no, you don't. It's like you are you're viewing Logan Paul through your nerve. Like this is just my hypothesis. This is kind of what I've, I've I've felt as I've went through my life that you we view other people through our own projections and our own nervous system. I, I almost feel like it's a nervous system thing or something to do with brain psychology where it's like we're looking at Logan Paul's vlogs and saying, oh man, I know what it would feel like to be Logan Paul, but really, you know what it would feel like to be you in that scenario. You actually don't know right. what it feels like to be Logan Paul with his nervous system, his brain biology, his, and just being in the moment and what that feels like. And so a lot of people are looking at us or anybody and they're like, oh man, it, it, it inspires them. It makes them excited, but you know, almost what I want to share with people is like, you have no clue what it actually feels like because I've lived my entire life observing other people feeling like, Oh, if I was in that position, this is what, this is how crazy it would be. And now that I'm starting to almost ramp up and getting close to that precipice where I'm starting to meet people like you who like I'm interacting with your nervous system, your energy, and I'm getting a little taste of what it feels like to be you. And then when you hang out with Paul Check, you like when you actually get physically around Paul Check and you're in that energy, you feel, not see, not hear, you feel a little taste of what the biology of Paul Check is. And I feel like as we go through our lives, we're like, we're just elbowing, getting close enough to the vicinity of people that we actually go, wow, this is so much different than what I thought it was going to be. And now that I'm, you know, I'm befriending people like you and, and other people, like I can literally almost feel like my nervous system and my energetic biology is subtly starting to shift. And this gray haze you can call it depression. You can call it whatever. It's like, you know, up until even in, in some sense, I still view life through a certain filter, a certain gray filter. But I'm right now for the first time, every little bit, every so often 
I'm seeing a, an illusion, illusion in the fabric. I'm seeing a piece fall out of place and I can see like through to actually what the thing I'm feeling or what I'm looking at actually looks like. And every time I catch a glimpse of that, it gives me a feeling in my nervous system and in my excitement that I've actually never felt before. I've never felt the glimpses that I'm, I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think what that is a testimony for, man, is honestly that everything is a vibration of light and sound. And like what I mean by that is like um, we all have friends that are negative. And if we spend a lot of time around them, it starts pulling us down. It gets heavy. And then people start saying like, hey, man, you're real heavy, man. You're like real heavy. It's hard for me to hang out with you, right? But then it goes the other way too, where you go in the grocery store and someone just smiles at you and it's infectious. And it's like that vibration now just resonated with you. And now it's a transference. So I think like when people say, be the change you want to see in the world, like Gandhi, right? So you hear these kind of statements and other statements reflected in similarity or, or, or you know, resonance with each other. It's so true because these ripples, these ripple effects that, that take place that are very based in frequency. So repetition and consistency of these high vibes are going to transform the planet and people, just like you're saying, the people you're surrounding yourself with are having an effect on your biofield, your energy, your soul, your, your well-being is transforming because of the people. So I think like I saw a, a meme the other day, someone posted, it says you, you can't control the people in your life, but you can control the people that you allow into your life. And that statement was really profound. You know, like, it's like, I think it even said like, read that again, you know, something to that effect. And you take it in and it's like you realize that sometimes we pair ourselves with people that are not in alignment, but we're looking for something or we're mm. wanting something so desperately. And this could be business partnerships. It could be intimate relations. Dude, I'm totally uh, you know, guilty of this and in intimate relations. There's people I've hurt. There's things I've done uh, because I was out of alignment or I was wanting something so desperately to work that just was not in alignment. And I think that when we let go and trust, and that's the hardest part is you're trusting the universe. You're not trusting the matrix. You're trusting yeah. the God, the spirit, the, the life force energy that's flowing through the plants and the trees and the soil and in our bodies and the stars and all of the things that are interconnected. And it's like, I think our lifestyle now is so hustle bustle that yeah. we forget to listen. To, t to tune in and listen. And I think if we all started listening more, myself included, uh, that we would find that there is a reverence with spirit that is very um, direct and apparent. And I think that once we find that flow state, um, you know, we're all unstoppable beings that are here to play these very specific positions, you know? And, um, I think that how we get in those flow states is getting real and honest with ourselves saying, I know the world's fucked up, but what am I going to do about it? And then when that question happens, what is your talents and how do you align those talents to learn and discover and unravel your passion? 
And once you have your passion and you have your talents lined up, you've got your flow state. It's right there. Boom. And then that's what position you're here to play. But I think that we live in fear. And I think it's it's not just us. I think it's like society. It's our environments. It's our parental figures that tell us you'll never be make money as an artist. You'll never make money as a musician. You'll never, you know, you should be a doctor. You should be a lawyer. You should be these cookie cutter things that even those paradigms are breaking down, yeah. you know? And so I think we're coming into a time of intuition and that we are going to be forced to face our fears on a more consistent basis and that those facing of fears are going to be our best service to ourselves and unraveling the magical mystery tour. Dude. <laughs> Dude, no, absolutely, man. And like, I was just, you know, a thought pops in my head uh, came to me when you were speaking that like, it's so much easier to trust when you have good people around you. It's it, so true. It, it is, God, man, it's so much easier. Like, you know, I, I literally was thinking about this yesterday. It's like, I've went through so much of my low, my life as a lone wolf. Like I, I was always, you know, because I was traumatized, you know, I, I'd been abandoned in high school by all my friends. I, and it's like, I didn't realize how much of a wound that had on me. You know, yeah. I, I was a guy, you know, I lost all my friends in high school. No big deal. But it's like, no, it's like, I don't trust people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like there's like a fundamental belief in me that I've just started to realize like, dude, you don't trust people. And it's like, and also you don't feel like you deserve to be around good people. And I realized that yeah. myself too, because I, I noticed I'm like, sometimes I like, I apologize to people a lot. Like I've done it to you. I've like been like, Hey man, sorry for that. Like I'm, I'm very hard on myself and I'm always looking at like, you know, how have I made a mistake? And it's like, I'm, and I'm realizing now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of being a lone wolf. Like I'm, and I can literally feel this like energetic liberation. Like when I actually yeah. feel that, like, it's almost like, I think there's <clears throat> fundamental beliefs we have that, you know, everyone says like, oh, your beliefs are a prison. And it's like, we, and this is what I've also realized is like, we have all of these like, uh, sayings, you know, beliefs are a prison, be the change you want to see in the world. Like we have a thousand of these things that sound really good on paper and we post memes of them on Instagram and Twitter. And we're like, oh, you know, that's such a profound saying. It's like, but we actually almost never actually see it. Like we never feel the profoundness of it, or at least I, I have rarely done that. And because now I'm seeing as my life is changing and as I'm without even realizing it starting to shift into some of these sayings, when I now look at some of these sayings, I go, whoa, that's what it means. You know, like you, your beliefs are a prison. Like I didn't realize how much of a prison some of my sexual beliefs were, my dogmatic Christian beliefs were, um, beliefs about being a, like even that belief of being about uh, being a lone wolf. I had no clue how that actually impacted my my energy because like essentially like what a lone wolf energy is, is it's like all of the potential of the universe of friendship, of big get togethers, of parties, of festivals, of this, of that. It's like you're taking all of the potentials of the universe, adventure, all these things, and you're like quarantining them. You're like exiling them and you're like, no, no, this is where you belong. 
you can't interact with anything more than yourself. And you can be on the fringe of things. You can be on the fringe of excitement, but you're not allowed to impact that. You're not allowed to interact with that. And not only are you not allowed to interact with it, you're not even allowed to energetically interact with it. So I had quarantined. I didn't even realize this until like two months ago, Ian. But I had like literally quarantined life away from myself. Because I didn't want to experience the things I wasn't allowed to experience in my psyche. I told myself, you're not allowed that. You, That's not for you. That's for somebody else. That's their life. This is your life. So every time right. I'd be in the vicinity, I wouldn't even like, it was like, it was so embedded in my consciousness that I didn't even think about it. My energetic state would just zoom in. It would just yeah. literally pull in and it would like literally quarantine itself away from the world. And as I'm, you know, looking at some of these things as I'm being more vulnerable with myself and being like, dude, I'm fucked up. Like I, I have these beliefs that really screw me up. I have these beliefs that really not screw me up like shame, but like hurt me. Like the, the child yeah. in me, the child in me that wants to run and play and interact and love people and hug people and just, just be swept up by life and connections and be open-hearted and cry and laugh and all these things like that kid i was like no no sit down you know that's how you get hurt sit down and don't make a don't make a peep it was like i literally i feel this so deeply now that you know be becoming friends with you literally like you know you have kind of started to break this in me because i think I think in some sense, we came into each other's lives at a very symbiotic, synchronistic moment where I am at the end of a paradigm. I'm at the end. I'm at this shedding of a skin, like a snake. I'm shedding all of my old beliefs. And you're coming at the precipice of a new existence for me. And just your energy and the way that you see me, the way that you hold me up, it's like just the very presence of you in my life is helping speed up that shedding. And it's getting faster yeah. and faster. And I'm starting to like literally see the world with like brand new feelings and colors you know yeah well that's amazing man I'm, I'm so glad that i can be part of this journey and process with you and um there's so many people who've done it for me so we're all just doing a some you know synergistic uh toroidal field of give and take you know they've given to me i've given to you and other people and people have given back to me and then we have these relationships where we're giving back and forth to each other it's a it's just it's it, it they're uh philip k dick you familiar with him? oh bro he's a genius <laughs> man yeah, yeah. minority report so, yeah yeah minority report all the stuff blade runner all you know all the things but um man in the high castle dude man in the high castle so the um yeah so basically the adjustment bureau they made a movie out of it it was named you know different with his book but they kind of took that and made it into a movie format and like somewhere inside of me i want to believe that there's this group of men group of angels group of you know whatever doing this work you know putting yeah. people in alignment they're like uh you know, Anton's doing a great job, but we need some more shedding. So let's like cue some relationships to come into his life right now. You know, Ian's doing really good, but he needs some help. Let's put some connections in there. Let's move some stuff out of the way, get some stuff moving a little quicker. There's some 
you know, angels watching over the uh, chessboard and kind of moving and facilitating. And I want to believe that so deeply that this this is existing and this this Philip K. Dick reality. Oh, me too. Is, yeah, is somewhere somewhere out there, right? Um, but I think it's just when you start looking at the serendipity of life, you know, like how everything just moves and flows, it's really hard to say, well, yeah, it's just a coincidence. And it's like, well, consistently and all across the world, it's happening. It's, I think it's uh, something a little more, you know. So I think like it, we're all just so blessed to have divine timing, right? So in my practice, like recently, the two things I'm just doubling down on you know, just over and over is I'm divinely protected. I am divinely protected. I am wildly abundant. Right. Mm -hmm. And so these two things have just been really the battle cry for me recently. Um, and just really speaking into I am and, and I've been, you know, I read a lot. Um, and Yogananda, one of his uh, books I was reading, he talked about saying the affirmation, I am rich. And I realized like how much I had an opposition to saying that out loud, right? Wow. And so it, it made me double, triple, quadruple down on that to just say it over and over and over and over and over until it lost its meaning, whatever that stagnant energy was that was holding back from that. And it's probably being a musician, being raised where you're told that your craft is worth nothing, literally over and over again, the amount of rejection that these types of creatives face on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis is astronomically higher than anything that most people in normal job positions have ever experienced. Um, the growing, <clears throat> growing up in a um, nonprofit, working for, in a nonprofit that I founded and that ran for 10 years, you're constantly around begging and kind of pouring yourself out for money wow. to to make programming possible for these underserved kids. And so I think there was a lot of things that I took on that gave me great leadership skills and great skill sets to do what I'm doing now. But it also came with this other side of that coin, which was this emotional baggage and things that I had to work through and release and let go. And, and so a lot of that was through mentorships, people calling me on my shit in a loving way, you know, yeah. sometimes girlfriends, sometimes business partners, sometimes new friendships. And I think that almost all things, I could say almost all things are coming from a place of, you know, enlightenment and development in that way where, um, but at the same time, at the time of its existence, it may not look like that to us. So I think like, as I talk to older people, 70s, 80s, 90s, I think I'm just so fascinated by their stories and their perspectives now because they're half of a lifetime away from where I'm at. And I'm almost a half a lifetime away from where you're at. And so we start, <laughs> we start looking at these you know, these little blocks of 20, 30, 40 year increments, and you start realizing like, we should be listening more to the elderly. We yes. should be listening. There should be storytellers, movie makers that are going into these retirement homes and doing this, right? It's really bringing these stories out so that we, because it should be just as fascinating as Tommy Lee or, you know, any, any kind of, you know, celebrity, you know, uh, Jay-Z or, you know, Kanye yeah. West, like we love hearing about their stories, but it's like, there's so many more 
stories and the everyday commoners as well that would be just as fascinating if they were told in the same way dude like 100 percent. i was thinking about this literally i think two weeks ago so i was i was on netflix and you know I, i like to watch some cool netflix shows every once in a while and and it just dawned on me i'm like man every single one of these protagonists is like in their 30s 20s or like kind of 40s usually that's not like a protagonist or Actually, in fairness, there's a lot. Uh, let's say 20s to 40s is like the average protagonist, but you don't really get any protagonists a lot of the time over the age of 50 or 60. Like very, like never over the age of 60, probably very rarely over the age of 50. Yeah, because if you look at protagonists, they almost never have white hair. It's like all <laughs> they, they, they literally, it's like always they have their hair. And I was just thinking, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then it dawned on me again. Then I thought, we actually, every single one of these stories is the same story. You know, yeah. it's, you call it the hero's journey or another version. And I love the hero's journey. It's one of my favorite stories. I love Harry Potter. I love Lord of the Rings. It's a quintessential story, but it's one that almost every piece of entertainment I've ever viewed is from the same story. Yeah. And then it made me think, like, this is one of my dreams. And I know I've shared this with you. But I want to get a team of people, and this is this is what it, this is why I love meeting people like you that are like open-hearted, loving people. Like we can have one-on-one chats, and just you can fill me up with love. I'll fill you up with love, and we'll just just we'll just laugh, <laughs> smile, and love each other. And at yeah. the same time, we're ambitious. So it's like that on top of that bedrock of love is like you inspire me, and I maybe inspire you. I don't know, but it's like. Go, what were you about to say there? I was going to say, you definitely inspire me, man. For you to be as young as you are and to be in the mindset where you are already, <clears throat> I can't even, man, when I was 27, I can't even, I, I had nothing on where you're at right now, you know? And so there's a couple of things that you talked about that I'd love, love to speak on. So yeah. one is uh, the Donald Miller wrote a book called Hero on a Mission. He studied storytelling, like under Hollywood storytellers and movie makers, and then came out with this book about how exactly what you said, every story is the same. And he's so he but what he specializes in is he consults with scalability of business. And so um, he really helps people to grow their brand and grow their business. And this book was is really awesome at telling people like everyone wants to be the hero as the business owner as the entrepreneur, you are the guide. And the guide's job is to turn all of the customers into heroes. Whoa. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so no, bro, sorry, I just like, I just want to say this really quick. This is blowing my like my mind because what if we had like a next wave of Netflix TV shows, movies where the protagonist is the mentor? And it's mm-hmm. like, we're not following Harry. We're not following Frodo. Like, we're really following those people that put into place. But keep going, man. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I think that the big thing is that everybody wants... I I saw another thing that will just kind of coincide with this. There was a guy doing a talk on a reel. I'm not even sure who it was, but it was just... It stuck with me what he said, nonetheless, right? He said, everybody has these big dreams. And then they want these little struggles and these big rewards (laughs) right and so he said it's not like that if you have a dream and it's big there's probably going to be a big struggle 
But what gets you through this big struggle is knowing that everything is equal. If you're going to have this big dream, you're going to have a big struggle. But if you can get through it, you're going to have a big reward. Right. So I think like that is the mentality of everyone is like the microwave generation of like everything's quick. And then like if something breaks, like the refrigerator used to last for 50 years, 100 years. Now they're building them. They break in four years. Planned obsolescence. Yes. And so it's like throw it away, get another one. And so no one really invests in the art of restoration. Right. And so like, but the very process of living life is remembrance and restoration. You're not building something. You're coming here with already an intellect and a, and a soul that has seen lifetimes and lifetimes. So this process is an uncovering. It's a rediscovering. It's a restoration. It is not a rebuilding. It is a rebuilding of sorts, but it's not you're constructing something from nothing. You're coming here with something. And also you have already chosen all of these people that are coming into your life and all the hardships and all of the things. And I think that's hard to wrap your head around. But I think once you start saying, what if life is this way, you know, then you start kind of coming into that discovery. Dude, I, I, I'm thinking right now, man, let's write some new myths. Like, call, <laughs> like, like, no, it's just straight up. Like it's, 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 I know it's like, it's crazy that no one thinks about that, but like, literally it's like, our, I feel like, you know, our brains are programmed by stories, are programmed by mythologies. And when all we're given is the mythology of youth or the mythology of this or the mythology of we grind so that we can get something so we can live. And it's like we don't realize we're on a hamster wheel. But, you know, I was talking with someone yesterday about this and I was like, man, I'm super inspired about, you know, the world that could be coming. You know, because I was telling her, I was like, man, I'm meeting some really cool people that are like movers and shakers. And and as I get closer to these people, the reality of what I want to see seems more real. It's like it's not it's not a dream anymore. We're literally building a reality. And it's like and then she had a really good point. She's like, it's going to be huge for your generation. But imagine the generation of the kids that come in with the new myth. Imagine how powerful they're going to be because they're going to have none of the baggage. My whole brain is programmed with mythologies of what's possible, of what life means, of what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to be as a man, especially for me, fucks me up sometimes because I'm a very emotional man, you know, and and I don't know if you relate to this and we're going to be going on intermission here in in a second, but one thing that's been very difficult for me in my life is that, you know, I can resonate with maybe Michael Jackson or Bob Marley because these are people that were in the intersection point of culture. You know, they were half black, half white. The black people didn't trust Bob Marley. The white people didn't trust Bob Marley, you know, and it, it dawned on me when I was watching a documentary. I was like, I never knew why he was so much into one love, one yeah. world peace. I thought it was a spiritual thing. It's like, Perhaps, but I think a big part of it was he never fit in with anybody. He was always the kid at recess that no one wanted to hang out with because the black kids were like, you're not black enough. The white kids were like, you're, you're black, you know, get out of here. And so that intense level of racism, literally like, you know, like you're talking about how 
Why do you see people? Why do you respect people? Why do you value people? Because you never felt that. You know what it feels like to not be seen and how lonely it feels to be in the presence of somebody who you're just like, man, I- I'm here. Like, can't you see who I am? Like, you know, you know, I-, I was in the conversation yesterday with someone like that. I was in a conversation and I was like running the conversation, trying to keep it going. And, and then I finally just said, fuck it. You know, this person's not going to see me. Like no matter what I do, no matter how much I try to see them, how much I try to hold space for them, they're never going to see me. And I just, I realize how painful that is when you just want to connect, you want to love and you want to be open hearted and someone just keeps taking your energy. And so I'm just, you know, with like Bob Marley and this is where I'm going with this. I don't know if you can relate, but I didn't grow up half black and half white, but I grew up being half feminine and half masculine. You know, I grew up a romantic. I grew up a dreamer, an idealist. But I also grew up with energy, with power, with just energy. And like, and, you know, I've been told at times in my life, you're too masculine. Then I've been told at times in my life, you're too feminine. And it's like, I've spent my entire life trying to figure out who am I? Because I, I, because it would be easier when I was in high school if I was really feminine, because I'd just hang out with the really feminine people and the girls. Or yeah. it would be easier if I was just a straight jock, because I'd just hang out with the guys and I'd be like, hey, what's up? You know, all this stuff. But I'm this weird thing in the middle where I'm, I'm emotional and I'm too emotional and too sensitive for the average guy. Or at least, you know, this is what I felt like when I was younger. And then I was too masculine for the girl, for the average girl and the really feminine guys. And so, again, it's, it's difficult sometimes, I feel, trying to figure out who you are in a world that wants you to be one thing or the other, you know? Yeah. No, dude, I totally relate 100%. I mean, any of my really close circle would be laughing you know, right now. Uh, yeah. So I have this conversation quite a bit, like with females and males, uh, friends and, you know, new acquaintances. So, man, so much here. Okay. I'll try to make this quick, but basically fame, like the feminine and masculine, these are tools. They're not genders, right? Every, every gender of male or female has these tools of masculine and feminine energies. Um, The field in which I work is mostly dominated by women, you know, yoga, holistic health and healing. A majority, I would say at least 85% of the people in this field are, are females. Um, I've done summits before where I was the only man out of 40 people that were presenting they were all female and i was a man and they would laugh and i would be like well i grew up with three sisters it's all good (laughs) like so but uh yeah so my point is just basically like there is this real war that is going on right now in society uh females are rising up saying you know not all the way across the board but saying like in a really masculine way it's our turn you guys have messed this up for a while and I totally get it. I do. I, I, I relate to that, but I also know that it's the same type of energy that has caused the damage and problems that's going on right now. So I think like when I look at my life and I say that a lot of times I feel more comfortable in that feminine energy, it's because the work that I do diplomacy, I would say is a feminine energy. 
I would say that um, compromise and um, creativity, you know, um, intuitiveness, like these are more feminine qualities. And I think like uh, when you get into working with men, there's this very um, protection, uh, strength. Um, you, you, you almost get this type of energy that's like, this is a square peg in a round hole, but I'm a man and I'll make it work. Like, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll saw some stuff down. We'll, we're going to fit it in. It's a, it's a creative energy in a different way. And, and it's also kind of ego, it, like in the ego yeah. a bit where it's like, I'm going to make this happen. And there is time and calling for these energies in different ways. And it's like learning how, and as a collective, these two energies can coexist in the same space. Um, and to see the benefits of both, you know, it's, it's huge. It's like a huge, huge deal. So, um, I think like everyone's put in this opposition of one another in this transition of power that's taking place. More females are going to start taking positions of power. It's just inevitable. You're watching it unfold around the planet and it's exciting. It's exciting to see, um, you know, prime ministers and, you know, senators and all these different women taking these positions of power. And it will be really interesting to see how it plays out in the, on the side of the masculine and the side of the feminine. And I think that there is a real calling for men to develop more feminine energies and to find the balance in the masculine. And, and also that there's been such a healing that has been needed for the masculine energy because mm. of that toxicness of like rub rub dirt on it you know <laughs> you've got shot in the leg rub dirt on it you'll be fine don't you know not really talking about emotional issues or anything that comes up because you're tough don't be a pussy blah blah, blah whatever it is right yeah that whole thing that's either come from your parents you know viewpoints or society in some way and then even the viewing of the feminine to the masculine if you have conversations with a lot of females they will say i can do it i don't need a man but then when you get down to the root of having those conversations they're still in that paradigm that has been projected on them of the male being the provider paying for everything doing everything taking care of them in some capacity it's there just like in some capacity for us, it's there to be tough and don't share emotions. Don't cr complain. Don't be a pussy fucking be tough and get through your shit. Don't talk about it. Just do what has to be done. Right. Mm. So I think that as we're coming into this new paradigm, people are learning that these are not gender roles, that these are tools, masculine and feminine are tools to use. And I think that for me, in the fields that I'm working, I see the benefit of diplomacy, of listening and hearing people and saying, I hear you, I understand what you're saying. So what I'm taking away from this is this, am I correct in this assumption or this, you know, perspective of what you've put out there? And then saying like, here's some things for me that have come up, right? Like I, uh, a co-worker that's working with me, she was in a a tough position the other day and when we have a conversation on the phone she started like rattling off these like commands and getting kind of really in this masculine energy and i stopped her and i said hey um when you talk to me that way it's really triggering for me because you don't know this but in my past i've had this father in my life who would do these types of energetic things and it would bring up these emotions for me it's not your problem but I'm asking out of respect for me when we have conversations, could you 
you know, address me with a different energy signature. And here's what I'm taking away. This is really important to you, what you're bringing up to me. And I hear you and we are going to work on that. But some of the things that you're not seeing are things that you don't have the pieces to the puzzle. This money needs to be in place here before this project moves forward, right? You're not seeing that part because you're on the ground working on the project. The funding needs to be there to make this project happen. So it's not that the project is not a priority to me. It's that there is a stage that has to happen before we get to this stage of this project, right? So my point is, is just saying like, communication is huge and just in, in a nonviolent way, like where you're not acting out of trigger, but you're acting out of an, an emotional intelligence that is developed through the work of meditation, breath work, sound healing, and also talk therapy, you know, having someone to talk to, and it comes back to what you were saying, the people you surround yourself with need to be in the vibration of where you want to be, right? Um, challenging situations can be tolerated for a point, but if you're talking years, uh, you know, and you're still waiting, it's time to get out of that situation, whatever it is, whether that's a work environment, intimate relationship, it's time to move to the next thing so that you can evolve and develop so that you're putting yourself in these situations where the people around you are loving and nurturing and uplifting to your evolution and mission here on earth. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And, and I, you know, so many, wow. That, that when you were sharing about the, uh, the conversation you had with your coworker, that hit me in a very deep place. I literally started tearing up a bit actually when I was listening to that because like I, I was feeling empathy for you and I was also feeling empathy for like all human beings in Western civilization because like it's really hard for us to be vulnerable. It's hard for men to be vulnerable. It's even hard for women to be vulnerable. A lot of women will they'll lock horns with you too. And when you said that, like, look, you know what? How you were talking to me triggers me. I was like, shit, man, that's it. Like, it's so simple, but you had to be so vulnerable. Like, you gotta you gotta leave your ego at the door. Like, you gotta be so vulnerable. That you're like, here's the knife. Like, here's you my heart. What? Go on. I was, I was just going to say, you know what helped me was watching a lot of Gary Vee. Because Gary Vee constantly talks about leadership as like, you're not on a pedestal talking down to people. And I think a lot of times we have seen that structure over yeah. and over in the old paradigm. Where don't talk to me like that. I'll fucking fire your ass. Hit the road. See you later someone brings up something that's in opposition to your leadership, uh, they're out the door. You know, we don't have time for you here. Right. But when you start looking at everyone has different skill sets, maybe their perspective is something that could help you and your company, but because you're so locked into this tunnel vision, you lose sight of what that growth and development could be looking at it in a different way. So I think like watching Gary V consistently has helped me, <laughs> as he would say, to not give a fuck about old paradigm, right? Yeah. To move into something new and real. And like, dude, in her justification, there's a lot of stuff happening right now that um, it's growing pains for my company. You know, like there's things that are needing to be dealt with that she's really helping with. So she's a huge asset. 
So there's things and real legitimacy in what she was saying. So I'm not saying trying to make myself into some mythical, magical being. <laughs> like she literally uh, ha- has justification to feel the way she does. It's just that there was some missing information that she needed to have. And we just had to have a conversation like, hey, let's do better with the way that we talk to each other. And I yeah. think that when you have this, whether it's in a business relationship or an intimate relationship, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But when you get through to the other side, you're closer. You now have gone through something and you've proven to each other because all of us have baggage and PTSD and all of that, but we've proven to each other. I like you enough to stick through uncomfortable shit and we can get to the other side and feel closer and to feel stronger in that connection. So when something else comes up again, you have built a confidence to now have a track record of moving through shit. And that's going to always be better than someone who always runs at the first sign of something that's hard and challenging. Mm. Yeah. And, and absolutely. And the last thing I'll say on this before intermission is like, yeah, I think that vulnerability piece, I'm still figuring it out because I think one thing is difficult about vulnerability is that we've never seen it operate on a global scale. Like we've seen it little times in isolated places in our friends' lives and our lives. You know, I can be vulnerable with you because I trust Ian, but it's like, I don't know how that scales to the world. Like, you know, and I, I know I can feel it does scale, but it's like, again, I think that's where we get back into the myths and the, and the writing new paradigms because we're still, we're trying to be vulnerable with each other in the paradigm of non-vulnerability. So like we're yeah. constantly like fighting ourselves because, you know, we're vulnerable and then we're, or at least this is me. Then I'll ask myself, like, does this, can I be like this all the time? Like, is this, yeah. or is this only with my closest friendships or whatever? Because, you know, if I do this publicly, will people just like be like, oh, that guy's a, a, a pussy. Like he's too weak. You know, be, and, and I, I think in some sense it's because because there's such a low frequency of people that are actually vulnerable on a public scale. If you're vulnerable, everyone's like, there's something wrong with you because all the other 99% of people aren't doing that. And that right. means that, and they seem to have the shit together. And if you don't, it means you're fucked up. We should probably stop trusting you. Where it's like, I feel like if everybody across the scale started being vulnerable and honest, it would be like, that would be like, okay, that's just human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than weak, because we're still operating in like vulnerabilities weak because it's like, if I'm vulnerable with you, it's like, I'm now not the top alpha dog. Cause I feel like, you know, this is another, the alpha beta thing is still a paradigm, a mythology that fucks with my brain. I know that yeah. because every time I'm vulnerable, I'm like, fuck, I just gave up my alpha card. And then if there's any, <laughs> if there's any women around, if there's any men, it's like, I, I no longer, there's, I think a lot of males are afraid of this. It's like, if I'm not the alpha, what am I? What is my value to the pack? What is my pal- value to society? Because society's the pack. It's like, especially when you're on YouTube, but go on. No, I was just going to say, have you ever seen those videos where like a guy will dress up like an old man or he'll dress up like a nerd and then he'll go play basketball and like school everyone on the court or like they'll go, he'll, it'll be like a young guy that dresses up in an old man suit and he'll go to the gym and then he'll just start pumping like 250. And, and, you know, people are like, oh man, this old guy is just like, so my point is, is that I think there's really something to be said for not wearing your heart on your sleeve, so to speak, 
meaning that you dress as an alpha dog and you act in every way as an alpha dog. But I think there's something to be said as you show up as Anton and it's a non-threatening, you know, there's no one that's getting in a testosterone pissing match with you because they feel like the two bucks are, you know, you know, fighting over territory, but it's like, you're non-threatening just by being calm and, and um, relaxed and being who you are. Right. And then someone talks to you and they're like, Oh shit, this is an alpha dog. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think it's like, there's something to be said for being who you are and just being able to navigate between these energies and to shift and move as, as like I said, a tool. And I think mm-hmm. when people see that, they respect it. And it's a, such a surprise. I think they respect it even more. Like um, when people think I'm so quiet because they've seen me in like a party setting or, you know, somewhere where I'm being quiet, they think that's who Ian is. And then when I talk or I am in my listening smile energy, they're like, whoa, I did not know that guy was like that or I Alpha dog yeah <laughs> yeah whatever yeah so I think like my friends will call me like a stealth alpha male and it's just something that's you know really interesting and I never really saw it as a compliment until recently hmm. and I think that people can be fascinating by being diverse and well-rounded is all I'm trying to say and I think that these are tools of interaction with people like poetry music and art for me are tools of interaction with people masculine feminine energy are tools of interaction with people that's all it is it's not gender for me it's like Mm. and i don't care if people think i'm feminine or if they think i'm masculine it's just i'm going to be who i am and operate in the space accordingly you know yeah absolutely and Hey, dude, I fucking applaud you for for that, because I I know I'm still figuring that out myself. I still I definitely am like I'm figuring that out. I'm I'm, I think as I progress in my life and as I I don't know what it is, I don't know if it'll be experience. I don't know if it'll be having. I don't know. But something I know something is going to shift in me and I will because I'm not fully comfortable with who I am yet. I'm like I'm closer, I think, than the average human being. But at 26 years old, I still get caught up in, again, that that alpha beta thing is so imprinted in the male consciousness. And you have to be an alpha because if you're a beta, like you don't get the girls, you don't get the status, (laughs) you don't get the money, you don't get the like, like, what does the beta get? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you ask that yeah. question, like, like okay, what is what does the beta get? They get the spoils of the alpha. So it's like, you know, I feel all of us are just so terrified, or at least a lot of us. Hopefully people like Ian have become enlightened <laughs> and is is just a stealth alpha all the time and doesn't care. Well, no, I saw Joe Rogan talking about this with somebody the other day. I can't remember who he was talking to, but he was saying... Um, he was basically saying that what do women want? And he was like, they want Jason Momoa, right? They want (laughs) this masculine beast of a man. But he said, what they're realizing is that most of those men are coming with this baggage and trauma and toxicity that have not done the work. And so the aftermath of those relationships are setting up the beta men for these really long-term relationships and these nurturing relationships where there is a new, um respect and um 
uh, appreciation and gratitude for these men who can show up consistently and be able to do the work. You know what I'm saying? Because they're yeah. not in there to go and not in, you know, worried about what people think about them. So I think like there's a new unraveling that's happening. If you talk to most people, you're going to hear them talk about dating apps, which terrifies me listening to these stories and conversations from people, not saying that there's not people finding connection and, and it works. It does in some instances. But when you hear a majority of my friends talk about online dating, it sounds atrocious, right? It just sounds yeah. like no fun at all. Just lots so of dick pics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think there's like this unfolding that's happening where people are starting to realize like maybe the way things have been done before are not working and there's a new paradigm shift that's happening and it's slow, like there's people wanting it to happen quicker, but I think we're getting there where there's more people becoming conscious and waking up and like, willing to do some of these works. And like you see the workshops that are popping up all over the place. I mean, that's a testament to this being a real thing. People are starting to real men's groups, you know, women are starting to have conversations about maybe we got it wrong, like what we've been going for this whole time, you know? And yeah. it's like, so people are starting to have this new openness to some change, I think. Amen, brother. And now it's time for pee break and tea break. <laughs> I guess we'll be back in well for us it'll probably be 10 minutes but for you guys it'll be like yep, back alright love you guys see you in a second alright friends we're back so something that I know that you and uh, you and I we already talked about this a bit before but I definitely want to go more into this but do you think that you can influence the universe's timeline and process with your intentions and goals? I do, um, to a certain extent. <laughs> the, the, um, I believe um, it's interesting because I'm a Leo, so it comes with that like cockiness, right? So I remember people saying like stuff about zodiac signs, and I'd be like, I'm a Leo. Like we, you know, we run this thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like you just have this this intenseness about you as a as that energy i think and also like i'm an enneagram nine right so like the um a lot of times you'll hear people say like what enneagram are you and someone will be like i'm all of them and they're like oh you're a nine <laughs> well, wait <laughs> like, is, is is that is that from the I Ching? no it's it's um I'm not exactly sure of the origin of that, um, what that is from, you know, the, the uh, Enneagram. I know it's an, it's an older uh, system, but yeah, I, I would be interested to know where that came from. But it's, um, to, to me, human design, like when you look at that, like yeah. the gene keys or any of that, I feel like you're getting into these combinations of personality tests. And that's kind of what I would say is the Enneagram. It's almost like a personality test. And then you take like Vedic astrology and you put these types of philosophies together and you come up with like the gene keys and, and like human, human design. Cause they yeah, like, I, I got pretty into human design. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm quite familiar with that system. It goes pretty yeah. deep, but uh, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think that, um, I want to believe that people that put a drive and a intention together with consistency can accomplish anything, you know? Um, and 
you know, maybe you see, you see the Cinderella stories in basketball, you know, the, the final four, you see the, the team come from last place and go to the Super Bowl. I think everyone loves that story because of the hero's journey and what we've been kind of processed to. But I think what people relate to the most is if they do it, did it, I can do it. You know, and I think it's why it's so important to share our stories. Like people mm. see the stuff that I went through. There's people that's gone through far more than me, but there's also people who are going through something similar to me and they see my story like coming out to the other side and they say, if he can do it, you know, I know I can do it. And so it's like we get this reassurance, this confidence boost. And I think it's really important to share stories and, you know, filmmakers, movies, like things that really empower people to, I mean, think about it, like someone that watches like Rocky, you know, these video montages that show his workout and get him all pumped. They play the inspirational music, someone's sitting on their couch and they're like, hell yeah, dude. I can do this. Right. You know? And it's like, you, you watch talks from like Gary Vee or Tony Robbins and like, you're sitting on your couch and you're just like the next minute you're like pump, you're doing, you're lifting weights and you're like, I'm going to, you know, do a triathlon next month. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you literally get inspired and get pumped. And I think that's what the art, music, poetry, storytelling, movies, films, these things have this ability to pull something out of us and to challenge us to be more. And I think when we surround ourselves with people that are doing the same thing, intimate relations, business partners, friendships, communities, um, this is where the evolution of the planet is taking place. It's not voting for some politician. It's like this in the trenches is where the transformation is happening, right? And this transformation is going to change the politicians. This transformation mm. is going to change the social structures and constructs that are manipulating and controlling us at this time. And so the real investment for me is in the average person on a consistent basis. And then those ripples, just like you were saying, you were affected, those ripples rippling to where the powers that be that are trying to maintain control, uh, there's simply nothing to control anymore, right? Because they're mm -hmm. controlling us through fear they're creating this fear and this lack mentality uh, uh, where it's very easy to control people in those states. But if yeah. someone is empowered and awakened, they're like, they just watched the Rocky movie and they're now they're like pumped to go do some <laughs> stuff. Right. <laughs> like, so, you know, it's like that this person is going to be harder to control than someone yeah. who's feeling low and down on life. Yeah. I also was just thinking when you, when you're saying that is, it's like impossible to control a community like like and like a conscious community. And I don't mean that with the label like, oh, conscious community. But I literally mean like a community that is self-aware and choosing how they want to live. Like you can't control that because, yeah. you know, whether people want to admit it or not, like there's strength in numbers. 100%. Like this is something that I, I'm, you know, as I've stated with you, like. I want to like not even want to like I really want to find my people. You know what I mean? The, the, the people that are going to be part of my podcast and community because I'm like when it's just you and you're not fully aligned with who who's around you. Maybe this is friends, the family, your audience. It's like it's so hard to take to 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 take a step in an unknown direction, to take a risk because 
you're like, if I fall, what's going to catch me? I don't know if my audience will be here. I don't know if my friends will be here. I don't know if my family will be here. And it's like, I, you know, there's been moments where I've asked myself, like, am I, am I doing enough in the world? Let's say, um, and you know, the idea of doing like, especially more controversial, controversial stuff scares me shitless because I don't know who will have my back. Like, let's say that backfires. Let's say I become, I don't know, deplatformed or whatever. I'm like, am I just like fucked? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Do I have, who has my back? And, you know, and again, this is like meeting you and, and people I'm meeting. Like, I've, I, I can feel my courage coming out more than it ever has been. You know, knowing I have you you have my back. No matter what I do, you know, you're aligned. You're like, you know, I, I trust you as a fundamental human being. I have your back as a human being, not as an ideology, not as an idea. I don't I don't have your back because we believe the same thing. I have your back because I know who you are. And it's like, I, there's so much power and trust. And again, it's like, you don't need people to have your back, but it makes it way easier, way easier. And it's like- it does. Yeah, it's like yeah. it just when yeah. I when I think about that, it's like when I that's why I'm like, I, I want to find my people to give me the courage to take a bigger stance in life, you know? Yeah, well, so I'm going to challenge you on one thing here. OK, and yeah. this is because Paul, Paul, so Paul Check did this to me. Right. So uh, when I met Paul Check a year ago, um, I would not cuss on my podcast. I would not talk about controversial things. When people had me on, I would always sidestep it and kind of just try to stay positive because I thought that's what people wanted. Yeah. Right. And the things where people get caught up in the controversy, I felt like it does bring attention, but does it ultimately bring the attention that you want? And so JP Sears just had a podcast with, with Paul Sheck. Yeah, I was listening they, to it today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so and so they talked about it, and and it was interesting listening to him. But it's for me, in my perspective, Paul really challenged me to. He he was like, "You're a revolutionary. Like you're groundbreaking. You're a disruptor with what you're doing in the world, Ian." but you're not speaking to it and being confident in it. You're just kind of sidestepping and kind of fitting in where you can fit in. And he was like, knock the fucking force down, like fucking plow your path, make you, he's like, you are a disruptor, act like it. You know, like you are here to do something in the world that has not been done before in the way that you're doing it and be confident in that. And so I stopped, I was like, yeah, you're right, Paul. You know, saying like it was just. Like, it was You're like, right, Paul. Thank yeah, you, Paul. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was basically like me stepping into that, and I was glad that I had this masculine, these masculine energies that were also very uh, evolved that could be these mentors that were helping open up doors and hoping helping me step into my calling on a deeper level. So. Uh, Gary V helped me with the cursing. You know, I just, I saw it again, just two days ago, I think where the mom comes up to Gary V and says, a person like you doesn't have to cuss. Why are you cussing? And he said, cause it feels authentic to who I am. I cuss all the time. Why am I going to censor myself for other people? If they uh, don't like it, they can, they don't have to watch. They don't have to come to my events. They don't have to watch my, my shows. They don't have to do anything. They can just 
move on. And so he's like, why am I changing? If they don't like it, they can move, move on. Right. And so he was saying, she said, but what about if your kids start cussing at school, people will look at them in a certain way. And his, I mean, no, no hesitation just immediately came out with there's bigger problems in the world than if my kid says shit or damn at school. Like he's like, there's just more pressing problems in the world than that. And I think like that was an amazing thing for people to hear. And like his viewpoints on college are it's a waste of time and money. At one point in time, there was a, you know, return on investment for that, that skill set that you're developing. But he said, kids are coming out of this in debt, you know, to their, their, you know, eyeballs in debt. And they're coming into a market that is not returning on that investment. And so now it's obsolete. And so it's time to find what the next thing is. And I think like what it's going to be, honestly, in my opinion, is the entrepreneurship. Like, mm. I think someone asked me one time, they said, what is the biggest thing where you are now? Like, if you could go back to your person, you know, yourself in the, the 20s and in, in your 20s, what would you tell them? And, and, and then the next question was, if you had kids now and were raising them, what would you want them to know? And I said, exposure to everything. And I don't mean like doing 27 things, running the parents ragged, trying to do all these different, you know, activities. What I mean is, I didn't know about Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. I didn't know about opportunities um, as internships. Where I grew up was rural and country, and there was no real emphasis on carving your own path. And I think that that is the new paradigm for young people is mm. finding through spiritual means, meditation, breath work, you know, these modalities of healing, who are you? Why are you here? Developing the, like, the ability to see the skill sets that you were blessed to have, that you don't have to work hard for. Everyone has it. There's mm. something about it. Communication, art, music, poetry, dance. Some people have just a business mind that's just refined and the intellect is there to be that skill set. Some people, their skill set is nurturing people loving mm. people, you know? And so there's a lot of people who are fortunate to have multiple blessings of these gifts. So it's like, how do you take these skill sets and now apply it to a passion and, and then carve your path as an entrepreneur and make something new? You know, there was a guy talking to me, an investor the other day that said he was investing in a company that was like the Uber of garbage. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is, is like, you look at all these different styles of music, right? You have like, one day there's going to be someone who who combines polka and metal. That's just it's going to happen, right? Polka metal, right? So I'm just saying, like people who are daring, who are going to try these new things and say this speaks to me and carve a new path. That is the new paradigm, in my opinion, of what's coming mm -hmm. for young people. It's not following cookie cutter programs from other people. It's, it's being, and that's one of the things we're trying to do with listening to smile is we're giving a template guidelines, but it's really open-ended to how people use this music and the programming, because we know that they have a bigger connection to their community than we do. Mm -hmm. They know what works in that community. They also know what skill sets they have to lend to this co-creation process with our company. So this gives them an opportunity to be the boss, to run the show, to develop it, and to see all the trials and errors. Here's 
what we're doing. Here's a template. Here's kind of what's worked for us, but please feel free to explore this on your own. And I think that kind of creativity and that openness is going to develop huge relationships between businesses and people. And that is the new paradigm. Yeah. And, you know, how you started that whole thing in regards to like, to me, I, I, I agree. I definitely, I can feel that I, I, in some degree, I'm very daring and I'm doing new things. And in another degree, I know I hold myself back. Like the controversy stuff, I, I can yeah. feel in myself. I'm like, yeah, I censor myself sometimes. Like there's like, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing, losing everything, and then no one being there. Like that, that's why. I think it's neat what uh, JP said on his thing with Paul Check, where he said, um, whatever was yours, you can never lose, right? Mm. Like he said something to that effect, like where not in those exact words, but basically whatever is yours to begin with is going to be there with you through thick and thin. And that's business opportunities, intimate relationships, whatever it is. And if they're not meant to be there, they're going to go away. And so if you say something that someone else views as, not politically correct i mean they weren't supposed to be there anyways you know what i mean yeah no that 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 that's very true and hey man at least i know if if i lose everything at least you you, you might be there have i've won, I've one person i've eaten still in my corner um yeah. but yeah man well this was beautiful and now for the last uh, few minutes um, I want to ask you to share listening to Smile with everybody, which is obviously your company. You alluded to it just now with the music stuff. But yeah, to anyone who doesn't know what listening to Smile is, what is it and why do you think it's important in the world today? So listening to Smile is a unique sound healing company. And what we're really specializing in is music licensing and what that means is that a lot of the holistic community is kind of oblivious to copyright laws. So they're using music in ways that are, are actually illegal. And so we wanted to create an option that gave them uh, protection and also served as a synergistic relationship between supporting the musicians who are making the music directly and then being able to give them multiple sources of monetization for that music in their business practice. And so, um, yeah, so it's been this, like I said, November this year will be seven years that we've been in operation. If uh, people want to learn more information, they can go to listeningtosmile.com and find out. There's a lot of information on there. There's ways to sign up for the programs. Um, the big thing that I think I would touch on is that every month we make a new album. And so the affiliates are always getting something new to work with. They can create their own playlists and use a multi-use license, which means social media posts, YouTube videos, podcasts. They can use it in sessions one-on-one. They can use it in events. And we also give them training for hosting online events so that they can make income, you know, living anywhere um, and do something that reaches a community. And so, yeah, we specialize in what I call frequency-minded music, which is basically blending binaural beats and the science of sound healing with like traditional forms of music, like trip hop, hip hop, folk music, you know, uh, minimalist sound healing and all of that types of things. So it's just a very diverse offering and something that's consistently put out there, you know, for that. Yeah, and I can, I can definitely speak to it. Some of the music is sick. And one question I want to ask is, 
Obviously, the meditation stuff is healing. That's obvious. That has binaural beats. When I'm listening to, let's say, the hip hop stuff or something that's more upbeat or different, yeah. What what are the healing qualities that those have, if any? Um. Yeah. So basically, the binaural beats and the headphones are definitely recommended, and it's very powerful. But like the upbeat music is, you're really shifting mood. And there's people that do listen to it with headphones, like when they're working out or going for their run. Sometimes people tell me they walk their dogs or clean their house to some of that music, which is really interesting. And I think that's what we were trying to do was create a soundtrack for healing. It wasn't just for your yoga mat or for your meditation, but it was to continue through your day. And a lot of the, we have a workplace wellness program. They're using that music to put in the background at work and just playing it on their computers. And people are saying that they're more productive and more focused and kind of, and a lot of it's instrumental. So it kind of sets in the background where it's not, you know, lyrics kind of bring things to the foreground and into your conscious where you start processing what the lyrics are saying and stuff. And so I think like that's one of the things that's really cool about the upbeat, you know, music is that it can really be utilized in a completely different way. Well, it's it's even like a really cool idea because, you know, I love all kinds of music and especially like I love lyrical music or whatever, but it would be very cool. And it's kind of inspiring to me, the idea of being able to listen to music I love and that is very just engaging on every level and it be healing like that's like a, a yeah. doubly effective thing like because right now sometimes i i wonder is the music i'm listening to lowering my mood affecting me negatively um because i know one thing you mentioned to before is how different music um you've noticed like modern pop music can bring you down i know we don't have enough time to go into this but yeah. just, that's just something maybe part two yeah maybe a part two Part two, but yeah, I just, I I love this idea that you're doing, which is music that is simultaneously enjoyable and healing. Because I know right now the world does not have enough of that. The world either has enjoyable music or healing music. And most of the healing music is not enjoyable. It's just, it's just very boring, basic, whatever. And I love that. Yeah. Listening to Smile and what you're doing, Ian, is you're merging those two worlds together and being like, why can't they coexist, you know? Right. Yeah. And make sure that everyone knows using your code, uh, they get a reduced price on music if they purchase it. And then also if they want to sign up for the program and be a part of the monthly albums, they get a reduced price of a hundred bucks off the program buying through you. And then, um, and then it's also supporting you and the work you're doing with your podcast. So the the code is anton and basically just the listening to smile the number one dot bandcamp.com that goes to the wellness series and those are albums that are available for public uh purchase and then that's for personal use um non-commercial use of that music and then if they want to use it in a commercial setting and have that license and permissions then they can sign up for the program and like i said it's a 100 bucks off signing up through you using the anton code um and yeah so it'd be cool to see if some of your community might be interested in that so absolutely and ian that's it so thank you so much for coming on man this was this was awesome dude i had a great time yeah me too man i really appreciate you having me on it was awesome wait i loved all the conversations and the questions it's it's uh 
nice to be able to explore new questions, you know, with the podcast. So it's awesome. So thanks. Do, do, do you find uh, the questions I ask or the way that I do things unique in the podcasting space? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, a lot of the podcaster podcasts that I have been on, um, there are exceptions, obviously, but there's a lot that reach out to me. And when they're interviewing me, it's a lot of similar questions. Um, and so I think like it's neat to be able to do unique questions and things that kind of push into other things that get to know more about the personality uh, behind, you know, who I am and who I'm becoming and what I'm growing into and um, and then relating it back to the work I'm doing. And I think it's cool. So I, I, I had a lot of fun and I loved all the contemplations we had <laughs> today. All right, brother. Well, you have yourself a fantastic rest of your day, okay? Okay. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, friends. Welcome back. So thank you for hanging out with me today. And if you resonated with this episode and what I'm creating here and you want to support me in the show, be sure to click the subscribe button and share this podcast with one person you feel will enjoy it. And before we go, I want to take another moment to thank our sponsors, Listen to Smile and Indigo Sun. And if you're interested in anything I mentioned regarding either of them, be sure to visit their websites, which I have linked in the description of this podcast. And that's it. So I'll see all of you in the next episode. I love you. Bye.